Let our hearts be marked. Let our lives be, be so, so established in your great love for us today. We thank you for the word. We thank you that the needs of every person in this place are met. Every, every person watching this uh, uh, service today, let every need be met, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Well, if you'll turn with me in your Bible, uh, most of the scriptures that I have to share will be on the screen, but... Uh, if you turn uh, with me in your Bible, you can mark your Bible or your electronic Bible. Uh, go with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. The Bible says, Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. Now, this verse actually in context is talking about an offering. You know that the believers sent to other believers who had needs. But also this is a reference point that can be for the Lamb of God. We're getting ready to celebrate uh, the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the marking point for, for all of our faith. The death of Jesus, the rising of Jesus. Because you and I were included in all of it. But uh, this, this whole idea that the gospel is, is simply about gift... The gospel is the gospel of gift. It's not about merit. The gospel has nothing to do with you being good enough. The gospel actually has nothing to do with you being moral enough. The gospel has nothing to do except God gave Jesus to show us who we are and to, to take our place by faith in his life, to participate and partake of his divine nature to partake of his holiness even, it says in the book of Hebrews. So it's an indescribable gift because it makes no sense because most of us are so addicted to our own capacity. Most of us try to save ourselves. Most of us try to fix ourselves. And when we're not trying to fix ourselves, we're trying to fix somebody else, right? We're trying to fix our spouse. We're trying to fix our kids we're trying to fix our grandkids we're trying to fix the world you know but actually god fixed us in christ jesus and this is the beauty of the gift god gave jesus the indescribable gift now before i teach i want to show you a little illustration i bought me a couple little boxes here just to make a little uh, a little um, illustrated sermon so to speak this little shipping box represents our human life. Let's say our, our body, our, our flesh life. This is the way most of us know ourselves. We know ourselves according to the flesh. You know, a shipping box goes through, you know, the United States Postal Service or UPS, FedEx, all these delivery companies, and it gets thrown around, banged up, marked up. It gets labeled. Most human people carry labels. We, we, we carry labels of what we think of ourselves. And most of us aren't very nice to ourselves. Most of us demean ourselves, pick ourselves to pieces because we only know ourselves according to our flesh. Most, some of us are marked up uh, by what others said to us, what a, an ex-spouse said, what our, you know, somebody at the work said, somebody who fired, what they said, or, 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 or labels. You know, some, sometimes people have labels of what their mama said to them. What their daddy said to them. So, so they have labels. Some, some people wear their labels 
you know, just in their mindset, sometimes people wear labels uh, on their body. They, they have tattoos, you know, the name of their girlfriend or, or the name of what, whatever. They, 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 they tell stories in art, and, and it's fine, wonderful, but it's, it's, it's the way they, they know themselves according to labels. And this is what's difficult about trying to understand the love of God according to the flesh. Because you never think you're good enough. And when you're living according to the flesh, you're always judgmental of yourself. You know, for example, uh, you can get up one morning and look in the mirror and say, oh my goodness, I have another wrinkle. huh?" <laughs> or I have a little spot or a little something. I know none of you are like that, but my wife and I, we seem to have a tendency to recognize that time has a way of changing the, the, the outer uh, box. You know what I mean? And so we get frustrated, and we're always trying to fix everything. You know, like these days, you know, I, I still, thank God I've got hair. <laughs> it's turning gray, and I've got to move it around now to cover everything. But, I, I've, I, I, I still, but you notice things change according to the box. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and we, we judge ourselves. We, we get angry with ourselves. And, and if you live according to the flesh, you'll, you'll judge everybody around you according to the flesh. And that's why you and I have the capacity to live in the flesh and be critical and be condescending and say things with a sharp edge. Maybe none of you, but let's just say I do. I, I have a tendency in the flesh to be rude. I can be angry. I can be actually mean according to the flesh. But the gift of God, this indescribable gift that God gave you in Christ, the gift is Jesus. And the gift, when you receive the gift, the gift wraps you. Your gift wrapped. When you believe in the death and rising of Jesus, you don't know yourself according to yourself. You know yourself according to the gift. See, this is the way God sees you. And this is the way God knows you, even if you act in the flesh. God doesn't know you according to the flesh. God knows you according to Christ. Jesus is God's opinion of you. The way you get comfortable in life and you live the Christ life is you renew your mind to the revelation of the Lamb. The love of the Lamb is gifted to you. God's view of you is perfect. God's view of you is complete. God's view of you is holy. God's view of you is sanctified. And you say, Keith, now how can that be? Because I act in the flesh periodically, of course. But even in your flesh failings, God knows you according to Christ. And this is what I want to share with you because this is where you understand the depth of the love of God for you. And this is what compels you in life. This is what motivates you in ministry, not knowing yourself according to yourself. When you can grow in grace to the degree that you don't know yourself according to the labels and the frailty and the calamity and the addiction and the problem and the shame of your natural life, and you know yourself according to the Christ life, now you can extend that. You can see your spouse not according to the flesh, but according to Christ. You can see your kids not according to the flesh, but according to Christ. You can see the visiting preacher, not according to the flesh, hallelujah, <laughs> but according to Christ. 
the beautiful thing about believing is in receiving the radical love of God in Christ, which says you are included. You take your place in this position by faith. The difference between walking in faith and the walking according to your natural senses is a vast, a vast uh, degree of difference, right? It's, it's, it's knowing yourself and living according to the flesh, which is always climbing, always chasing, always hoping, always seeking, versus being there, where God's love is constant. He's ever-present. He's present when you did good. He's present even when you did bad. He's present when your faith failed. He's present. And the shift can be that sudden and that quick to get yourself out of the depths of despair and really the bondage of hell, which controls your mindset and your, your actions and even your depression. I mean, there's so many people I meet who, who are in Christ who live depressed. And granted, we live in a time that's just overwhelmingly difficult, you know. I mean, the chaos and tension and frustration and fear and, and anger and insults and whatever. I mean, it's, it's massive. But this is why we as believers have the assignment not to know ourselves according to ourselves. We know ourselves according to Christ. So I want to share with you today something so powerful. Go with me. Are you all glad you're here? Are you glad you're here to hear the word or are you glad you're here to get a Hershey kiss? Now, what is it? Be honest. I know the flesh wants the Hershey kiss, but the love of the Father in you wants the word. Okay, go with me real quick, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Many times... Uh, when I'm traveling in America or in, in churches or even around the world and in, in, in speaking pastors, you know, churches are going through different changes and different dynamics. And sometimes pastors say, Keith, how, how, can, I, how can I motivate my people to, to serve in the church? Or they say, how can, I, how can I motivate and compel my people to, you know, to, to be generous and give? People are always trying to figure out, how, how do we get somebody else do, to do something? You know, how, how do we get people to participate? Uh, that may not be a challenge or, or, or problem in this wonderful church, but around the world I find, even in families, you know, how people wonder, how, how can I get motivated? Sometimes I talk to Christian people that, you know, they just feel so lethargic and overwhelmed, and they're, they're challenged because they see themselves this way. And they're always talking about their labels. They're always talking about everything that's wrong with them or what somebody did to them. And they live offended. They live overwhelmed because somebody didn't agree with them about something instead of just enjoying the love of the Father and being gift, Jesus wrapped. Jesus wrapped, gift wrapped. Now, this wrapping can be ripped off you. My wife wrapped this for me yesterday. Doesn't it look pretty? I'm going to tell her, Heidi, you did an absolutely phenomenal job. Unfortunately, there's nothing in this. I was going to open it and see if she gave me a gift, but I can tell it's empty. But anyway, you know, the wrapping that God gives you doesn't come off when you have a flesh failure. The wrapping is like shrunk-wrapped. Have you ever got something that's wrapped in plastic and you can't tear the plastic? You, got, you need scissors or like... A knife to cut it open, get the thing out, to get the little toy out of the plastic, right? But, but the Bible says when, when, when you take your place in him, when you're gift-wrapped, 
you're one spirit with the Lord. You're, his life is fused in you. Christ is in you. Paul said that's the mystery. It's, it's indescribable. Christ is in you and you are in him. It's, it's the mystery. You're, you're, you're gift wrapped to the very core of your being. And it can be expressed. Now, here in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, Paul the apostle says this, for the love of Christ compels me. I want to speak to you today about being compelled. How to stay motivated in life, in ministry, when everything looks disastrous. Because according to the flesh, a lot of us have testimonies of things that just absolutely are hopeless. I could talk to you today according to the flesh about my world, my life, my family, my ministry, (laughs) and depress every last one of you deeply (laughs) if I speak according to the flesh. But this morning I got up and remind myself I'm gift wrapped. I let God love me, so I'm going to speak to you according to Christ. And there's going to be a whole different dimension, and it's going to compel you. It's going to lift you. It's going to motivate you. You can be motivated in life and ministry when you're compelled by the love of Christ. So Paul again says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of Christ compels me. Let's stop there just for a moment. Notice what this phrase does not say. It doesn't say, for the love, my love for Christ compels me. It doesn't say if you love God enough and love God harder and get on fire more and and whatever more, you're going to be compelled more. No, it doesn't say your love for God compels you. It says God's love for you compels you. In other words, being loved by the Father is the trigger. That brings momentum where you find your favor, where there's the open door. It's learning to be loved. See, a lot of times people think they have a, a, a faith problem. So they always think they need more faith. More. Jesus said just a little mustard seed, you know, will trigger almost anything. Just, just, a, just, a, just a mustard seed will move, at, move mountains. I, I, I always tell people that go to great churches like this one, faith-filled churches, I don't, think, I don't think you have a faith problem. Not if you're sitting under the teaching of Pastor Mike. Impossible to have a faith problem. I think at times believers have a love problem. Because your faith is triggered by being loved. Not by loving others. Your faith is triggered by being loved. When you're loved by the Father, your faith functions. Sometimes when I'm talking with people about the pain of this view, I have to teach them to be loved. Because giving them a Bible verse to stand on when they're living according to the flesh and even confessing it and trying to do it according to the flesh doesn't give them hope. Sometimes it gives them hopelessness because they say, Keith, I tried that, I did that, I've done that for months, I've done that for you, but I teach people just be loved. Find your place in the gift. Let the gift wrap you. Let I am in Christ. It's the beauty. So the love of Christ, not for Christ, the love of Christ compels me. 
You know, let me just tell you, in, in the life of Keith Hershey, you know, doing mutual faith for 35 years, and, uh, you know, a long time. I, I worked for another mission organization for five years. Uh, when I graduated from college, I came to California to go to college my last two years. And I went to Azusa Pacific in the San Gabriel Valley. And when I graduated in 1979, um, I got a job with an African organization led by uh, an East African bishop, uh, Festo Cavendry uh, of the Church of Uganda, and Michael Cassidy, an Anglican uh, 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 leader in South Africa. And so these, these brothers led this organization, and I was in their Pasadena office as a young kid. Didn't know what in the world I was doing, but somehow God gave me favor. I got a job. So I worked for them for five years and then started Mutual Faith. So I've been doing this 40 years. And people say, Keith, what compels you to keep going? What, what compels you to keep building? What compels you to keep helping and keep loving? And to be honest with you, this guy didn't want to do nothing. And this guy shows up in my life every single day. To think according to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. This is the temptation of my life, the old patterns of the mind. The old patterns of the flesh, the old patterns of thinking. Every day, this gospel preacher has to be loved. Because when I'm being loved, I change my worldview from here to here. And when I'm being loved by the Father, I'm gift wrapped, and this is where I find favor. This is where I find His sufficiency. This is where I find open doors that I'm not even looking for. This is where resources come to me without even asking. Because I'm being loved. So the, it says again in 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ compels me. Are you being loved? Do you, do you know how to be loved? I'm not asking you to love God. I'm asking you to be loved by God. Do, do you know how to be loved? The love of Christ compels me. It triggers your faith. It opens the doors. It meets the needs. It's where you meet the miracle you've been looking for. The love of Christ compels me. It goes on to say, because we judge thus. In other words, being loved requires a decision. It requires a judgment. You know, all judgment is not negative. You know, a lot of times in the Christian church, people think judgment is just negative, like God's going to judge you. There's favorable judgment. You have favorable judgment as a believer. You're judged in Christ. This verse says it. Look at the next phrase. Because we judge us. If, 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 if one died, if one died, all died. Now think of this. This is astonishing. This is the mystery of the Lamb of God. This is what we're celebrating in these next couple of weeks. When one died, who's that? Jesus, the gift. When Jesus died, I was there. When Jesus died, you were there. God saw you in Christ at the cross. 
See, this is the depth of God's love for you that God had a calculation in the revelation of the Lamb that when one died, all died. Paul teaches this. I'm sure Pastor Mike can teach very thoroughly in all this, far, far. He's a phenomenal teacher. But you read Paul's writings in Ephesians, in, 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 in Colossians. He talks about, you know, that we died with him. Really? Yeah. We were buried with him. What? We were, we were, we were raised with him. We were ascended with him. We are seated with him. This is God's view of you. God doesn't know you according to your flesh. God knows you according to Christ. And God saw you in him before you were here. All you have to do is just nod your head and say amen to it. Say, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> your faith is simply to agree with the faith of God. God's view of you is what's correct. God saw you in Christ. So Paul said, I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Because I judge us if one died. So what's the calculation to be loved? The lamb, the cross, the finished work of Jesus, where it's a done deal, which triggers a new covenant that's not based on your capacity or even your obedience. It's based on the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, who took all of your sin and it was judged once and for all in him. You have to tell yourself the truth. God loves you completely. God doesn't know you according to you. God knows you according to Christ. You are gift wrapped. I'm preaching good now. Amen. Just for that, I might have this Hershey kiss early. Hallelujah. Let me show you, sometimes in Scripture, assignments we who live in Christ have to be compelled. And let me just tell you by telling you stories of my own life so nobody can say I'm picking on them. So I'll, I'll use myself as the guinea pig. I'll, I'll, I'll show you myself according to the flesh, and I'll show you myself according to Christ, and I'll show you how I have to be loved every day to live the Christ life. And then you can see if it relates to you. It may not. It may. So we'll, we'll just see. Look at, look at this uh, being compelled. You know, one thing Jesus said is we're compelled to go an extra mile. What a bummer. You know, this guy doesn't even want to go the first mile. Let alone the extra mile. All of us have people in our life that require a lot of attention. Amen? Amen? All of us have people in our lives that don't see things the way we see it. All of us have people in our lives that compel us 
to go with them beyond what we want to go. So Jesus said it this way. You can find this in your Bible in Matthew 5, verse 41. Jesus said, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. What a bummer. This guy doesn't want to do it. This guy didn't want to help the first time around. In my mission assignments around the world, when this guy shows up, I don't want to build another thing. I don't. Because it takes a lot of work and a lot of resources. I have to be loved to be compelled to go. See, we live, or I should say you all live, I mean, we, we, we have a, our U.S. offices in the San Fernando Valley, but uh, you all down here, is like, this is the, like, heaven's world, hallelujah. I love where you all are. I, I, I'm so refreshed, you know. I came down last night just so I could breathe the beautiful air and <laughs> take a walk. It's beautiful. But think about what it, what it takes to compel people just to go to church. Get a little rain. Get a nice day like today. I was tempted to just invite everybody. Let's just go meet under a tree. Hallelujah. Park, you know. Beautiful day, right? The temptation. Let me just show you about compelled to do things. Let me show you some pictures from our mission work. This is a a picture of people crossing the river. For us to go to some of our churches, there's no roads. They've got to walk two miles. What compels anybody to do that? Week after week to share the gospel. This guy didn't want to do it. If I can't go comfortable, if I got to walk. But you know what? Those people they're going to were just included in Christ as you were. Somebody has to be compelled to go. Look at this next little picture. It's one of our leaders on a horse. Sometimes I buy horses for our team leaders because they have to go up mountains. No roads to the top of these mountains where we have churches. Who's compelled to do that, to ride on horseback every day? Look at this next picture. This is in Latin America. In fact, right now this weekend, we're having a big event with these students. This is an unreached people, the Nobi people, in the very northern part of Panama, near the Costa Rican border. Never had a Bible school. And this is our first graduation there. Isn't that beautiful? And this weekend, we're doing a big event there. What, what compelled? You've got to go hours and hours out in the bush. It's amazing. What, what compels people? This, this, guy, this guy just... This guy didn't want to do nothing. But when I'm loved by the Father, it's crazy. It's crazy the way I'm compelled when I'm being loved. Let's go to another thing. Compelled to, to, to do more, give extra. Jesus says this in Luke 6, verse 29. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. You know, what a bummer. You know, giving, giving away your, your material goods at times. What, what compels people to give, you know? <laughs> or, or when you're compelled to do more. I think, oh, you got to be kidding. This guy says, you got to be kidding me. Or... Or helping, let's say, one of your family members. Maybe none of, maybe you all have the perfect family. Let me just talk about my little world. I have uh, come from two family trees that are very, very, very broken. 
And uh, you know what? In all my family trees, I'm compelled to give extra to sustain people. And this guy fights. I have to take time to be loved and help him. And help him. This is the way, this is the way Keith Hershey is happy every day. This is why I'm not totally discouraged in life and ministry today. Because I've learned to be loved. This is, this is how I go to, like I just came from the Middle East. Let me show you a couple pictures here. This is a picture of our center where we help all these Muslim people with clothes, cloaks, shoes, whatever. It's constant. Thousands of people. Look at this next picture. We're all sitting on the floor. This is, we, we rent apartments for people. This guy doesn't want to rent nobody an apartment. But when I'm loved by the Father, and it's people I don't even know. I don't even know if I like them. <laughs> Muslim people. So I'm sitting on the floor with the Muslim lady. You see her there on the left side of the picture. <laughs> that apartment there, they had like 10, 12 people sleeping in that room on mats, and there's one other little room where they have a, we got them a, a cooker, and then we provided food. But this family got radically saved. So she stands in her life center, this lady, the very back, she's like a greeter, all her Muslim, and every time she, she, she greets me, she takes my hand, you know, you're not supposed to like touch a Muslim woman so you don't shake hands or anything. I just say, hey, nice to see you. God bless you. But she grabs me. She starts praying in, in tongues. Starts praying in the spirit. She says, I pray for you. So <clears throat> this guy being loved, paying rent for six, eight months, whatever it was, is thrilled. This Muslim family Radically safe. Now they've got, uh, they've been assigned to, to Italy. They got papers and, you know, they were processed through the UN or what. But they were with us several years. So now they're discipled. They're strong in the love of the Father. So is it worth it? Yeah, it's always worth being loved. Because you never can calculate the beauty of the seed and where it's going to go and what it's going to do. Let's look at another picture real quick. I think this is some of our school kids. We have 120 of them, pay all their expenses, go to our school. It's in Africa. Then maybe there's another picture. Some of our orphan kids are in life home. Let's go real quick. Number three, compelled to feed folks. Look at, look at Matthew 5. Go with me there. Matthew 5, verse 44. But, but I say to you, Jesus said, love your enemies. What a bummer. I mean, Really? Most of us struggle loving the people we know. And Jesus says, love your enemies. How in the world do you do that? This guy never can. If you know yourself according to the flesh, you'll know them according to the flesh. You'll never be able to love. As much as you try to love God with this worldview, you'll never do it. The only way you can love is by being loved. How are you loved? I judged us when one died, all died. I was included, and so were they. Even if their worldview never matches mine. 
God sees them in Christ. So he says, love your enemies. Then he says, bless those who curse you. What a bummer. How do you do that? How do you let somebody just chew you out, tell you you're a loser, you're wicked, you're a hater, you're this, you're that, the other, and cusses you out and you say, man, that was just awesome. Can we have lunch together? You know, that was, that was phenomenal. But it says you bless those who curse you. Paul said when you know how to do that, when you feed them, it's like pouring coals, fire over them. When I'm loved by the Father, I can bless those who curse me. I've had to do that in ministry a lot. Because everybody doesn't like me. Especially in other countries. They don't like the gospel. They don't like the way I teach the gospel. They don't like whatever, you know. They don't like Hershey kisses. Whatever their problem is. But you know what I've learned? I've learned to love them. How can I do that? Because I calculate if one died. All died. I let God love me and I make sure my faith sees myself the way God sees me. I'm gift wrapped. And so are you. It says, do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And I got some people on my little prayer list now. Takes the love of God in my heart to utter prayers over their lives. Because I like to thump them. (laughs) None of you are like that. That's what I like so much about you. The, The spiritual depth is just phenomenal. So in our ministry, I have to feed people, and sometimes I feed people and pay bills that I don't want to do. This guy didn't want to do it. And this guy then goes back to the labels on people and assumptions. And God gets a hold of me and loves me. Then I'm compelled. There are a couple little pictures, like we, we feed thousands of people annually. All these little ones, 240 kids at our center every day. In big events, compelled. Number four, real quick. What compels you to build things? Look at it says here in Luke 7, verse 4 and 5. This is kind of cool. The disciples came to Jesus, and they begged Jesus earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. This, this guy, by the way, he needed a miracle. For his family. And so the disciples, you know, tried to get in the, in the game and kind of arrange things and say, say, hey, Jesus, listen, this brother is loaded. He's got money. He's deserving because he loves his nation. It's good to love your nation. People everywhere should love the nation. Praise the Lord. And he's built us a synagogue. Think of it. One brother paid all the bills. 
built the whole thing, one brother. And so the disciples said, Jesus, do something for the brother. He's deserving. That's an Old Testament and Old Covenant mindset. In the gospel of the gift, you don't have to be deserving. You don't even have to be faithful. You don't even have to be obedient. The love of God in Christ does it all. It's gifted to you. Jesus will provide what you need if you don't build nothing for nobody. But you know what I found? When I'm gift-wrapped, I build. I think that's just part of my calling in life. It's nothing I look for. It's nothing this guy wants to do. If I'm living in the flesh, I'm always thinking about money. When I'm in the flesh, I'm always thinking about budgets. When I'm in the flesh, I'm thinking, dear God, how in the world are we going to pay for this? When I'm loved, I have peace. And I just walk in the astonishment of what Jesus does. Compelled to build. Here's some things that we're doing. In fact, this first picture is, I just did this in December. A church we just built dedicated this. This next picture is a new sanctuary we just did with all the sound and videos and everything, air conditioning units. The next picture is all infrastructure things. All these are on mutual faith campuses around the world. Next picture is kind of the finished product of that. Next picture is apartments. We build apartments. I'm tired of renting them, so I build our own. Hallelujah. House people. House families. Next picture is a life home. We just started this life home the beginning of March. And it's going to be about five months for, for little kids. Next picture is a sports pavilion where we're going to have community events. All this is in the Philippines on our campus there. This next picture is a new campus I started in February in the Ivory Coast. None of these things are free. And you know what? This guy didn't want to do nothing. Nothing. But this guy being loved, triggered. See, the love of God compels you. It triggers faith. It triggers resources. It triggers everything. You know what I find in life? I find a blessing to have your heart be thrilled with the love of God because now you have capacity for vision. I think sometimes when people are visionless, it's because they're not being loved. The key for new momentum, even in your company, in your corporation, in, in, your, in your visions, in your dreams, is being loved. Being loved. The fifth and final thing is this, then we're all going to have a Hershey kiss and close. The fifth and final thing is compelled to share good news. This is what Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 23. Luke 14, verse 23. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. That my house may be filled. You know, Brother Chip just mentioned about Easter coming up. And he said, hey, invite someone to church. He said, are there any empty seats in this great, huge auditorium? Uh, yeah. Then he said, well, find somebody's uh, fanny. 
to put in the seat or whatever, right? Well, I forgot the word, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> but in other words, invite some. What compels you to invite anybody anywhere? You know, it's kind of scary if you just like took people and give them a form to fill out anonymously. How many people have you invited to church in the last month? Uh, yikes. How many people have you invited to church in the last six months? Uh, yikes. How many people have you invited to church in the last 12 months? Uh, yikes. How many people know you go to church? <laughs> what, what, what compels you? What, what, what moves you? I had an experience uh, a couple days ago on Friday at one of the mutual faith buildings in the San Fernando Valley. It's, we call it Mission Center, and I, I have, we rent some of it out to tenants. It's a, like a 14,000-square-foot building. And we have offices. And one of the guys who rents there, uh, he's had a real hard season for the last six months. But he likes being around me. So he texted me and said, are you in, 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 in town? I said, yes. He said, would you pray for me? I said, sure. So he said, I can meet you at 3 o'clock. I said, I will be at the mission center then. So I go there and I meet with this beautiful brother. And uh, his heart was so open to be loved. Because, you know, in brokenness, when you do everything you can to fix something and you realize you can't even fix yourself, it's a beautiful revelation. Because now you can come to the capacity of Jesus and be loved in your brokenness and call yourself the way God calls you, the righteousness of God in Christ, and see yourself wrapped in the life and love of Jesus. But this beautiful brother... I just shared with him really how to, how to be loved, how to trigger the ideas for his business. And I prayed for him. And he was weeping like a child. He, 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 he cries more than this preacher cries. But there's something about the love of Christ that can grip you deep in your soul. And it's satisfying. It's satisfying. So what compels you to tell others the truth? See, when I talk to people, I don't preach to people according to their flesh life because I would have to preach to, to them according to their sin life. I preach them to them according to the gift. And they look at you astonished like, huh? You have to show them who they are according to God's view in Christ. This is where faith comes. See, faith is resident in Jesus. Jesus authors your faith. Jesus finishes your faith. Faith is present in Christ. So preach Christ. Preach the gift that wraps you because you were included in him at the cross. God saw you there. I judge us. If one died, all died. People take their place then. This is the beauty of believing. Then faith is present 
they can believe and receive and be, you know, born again or born of God or born from above. Whatever phrase you want to use, they're a partaker now of his life. And they can live in this life with the revelation of a Christ display or a, a, a manifestation of, 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 of living in the spirit and not in the flesh. So compel people. This is what we do. Let me show you a couple pictures real quick. This is our campus where I was two weeks ago in our facility in Lebanon. This is where we host the people. It was so jammed. It seats 700 people, but it was so jammed. I mean, I walked outside to the it's four levels. I mean, people all over the place. And I bet I saw, I was outside maybe five minutes on the front steps talking to security people. I was amazed. I bet I saw 70 to 100 people walk out because there's no seats. Beautiful. I love it. What compels people to do that? This guy's not compelled to invite nobody nowhere. But this guy, when he's being loved, is compelled to tell others the same truth. And I tell people who are heathens, God loves you completely. And by the way, God's got nothing on you. They look at you like, huh, you're a nut. No, I know a revelation of the Lamb. You were included. If you could believe it and receive it, you could walk in the revelation of his worthiness. It's a beautiful thing. And this is why we do seminars around the world. Hallelujah. This is the beauty of God's love in Christ. So I just want to encourage you today, be, be compelled. Be motivated in your life. How? Learn to be loved. Take time each day Find a quiet place. You don't need a lot of time. I mean, there are moments for that. Let the scripture flow through you. I've been listening to a lot of just scripture, you know, on my, on my phone, you know, with a Bible app or whatever. But, but sometimes it's a podcast, but sometimes it's, it's just the beauty of the word. And then I take time in simplicity to say, Father, you love me completely. You favor me abundantly. And you bless me eternally. And there's no good reason for it except... That when one died, all died. God loves you that much. Did you all enjoy the word today? Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you today. And uh, let me say, I'm honored to be here tonight for the healing school. I've got something really cool to share tonight. My, 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 my. It's absolutely thrilling on uh, how grace is brought to you. It's like if I had a big... uh, platter of Hershey Kisses, and I bring them to you, and I say, have one, or have two, or fill your pockets, have as much as you want. Hershey's are being brought to you. Grace, the favor of the Father, the gift of God is being brought to you. I'll show you how tonight's amazing. This is where healing happens. All type of healing. So it's going to be fun tonight. What time is that? Six o'clock. It's going to be great. Praise the Lord. Hey, uh, also let me say, I'll be back. Be glad to shake your hand, say hi, whatever. Um, I have some books back there, beloved. Everything is half price, by the way, back there. And a newest book came out a couple of months ago. My son, Josh, who's in the ministry with me on relationships. He's scholarly. He's, he's brilliant. His dad's a simple gospel preacher. This guy, she's I listen to him, I say, if I lived a thousand years, I couldn't preach what he preached. You know, it's just beautiful. So anyway, you'll like this. Uh, also, I have a lot of new teachings I've never offered before. Three CD series, they're all just $10. And uh, this one's called Gift Wrapped. 
a little bit what I taught today, compelled, and then also gifts to the world, and passion for his passion. You'll like this series, and, and then a little book to help you be loved is back there as well. So put your hands over your heart. Father, these are your beautiful people. These are your kids. Just say this with me, precious friends. Say, Father, Father I, believe I believe the gift you gave, gave. is enough. I'm gift wrapped. Jesus, you're God's gift to me. I take my place in Christ. Thank you, Father. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm sanctified. I'm holy. I'm complete in you. Now, Father, I pray for these people and I ask that you help them to be loved. Help them never to live disappointed with themselves again. Help them to come to a place to know that grace is enough and that when one died, all died. Help them, Father, to know that we are not only died with Christ, we were buried with Christ. We were not only buried with Christ, we were raised with Christ. We are justified by the risen Lamb of God. And we say thank you for the gift. Father, I ask that you motivate these precious people, that you compel them, that you give them new ideas, new assignments for their family, for their kids, for their grandkids, and for the world. Father, let them not live with any disappointment and help them, Father, to say yes and amen day by day by making a calculation that the revelation of the finished work of Jesus is enough that the finished work of Jesus says it all, that the finished work of Jesus is the truth about them. We are in him, and we say yes, and we say amen. And Father, I speak healing over every person in their physical body. I speak blessing over every person who has trouble in their mindset or in their soul. I ask the peace of God settle deep into your soul, and let there be no fear, no worry, no anxiety. And Father, I pray now for people who may be visiting today who've never invited Jesus to wrap them up, who've never invited Jesus to be Lord of their lives. Friend, if that's you, I just want you quietly, while you're sitting in your chair, just say, Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you, thank you, thank you for eternal life. And if you've said that little prayer, I know if you just tell somebody at a back table or someplace, they'll give you some materials. We want to help you grow. We want you established like the lyrics of the song we sang, in the love of God. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this place and through all these precious people. We give you praise now, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. My brother, I turn it back to you. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Yes, yes, yes. That was good, amen? So you have an assignment. Be compelled to be back here at 6 p.m. tonight. You guys join us tonight. Uh, go visit with Keith. We don't want him to have to put anything back in the trunk of his car. Go buy him out of everything back there. Uh, and just seeing what they did, you could see uh, that when you give towards this ministry, you are giving into good ground. We love you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Join us tonight. Pastor's back next Sunday.